Welcome to the Wired for Success podcast, your show for ambitious, mission-driven entrepreneurs who want to build million-dollar businesses without sacrificing their health, relationships, or happiness, who understand that in order to build their empire, they need a solid foundation, and that the more they are thriving, the more their business is thriving too. This show brings you the very best from science, self-development, and entrepreneurship to set you up for sustainable success. Hi, I'm Claudia Garbett, the scientist turned mindset and high performance coach for entrepreneurs, and I help you get wired for success. Hey everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Wired for Success podcast, where we talk about all things science, self-development and entrepreneurship that help you get to that next level of success in your life and business. And today I'm bringing you a new and exciting interview episode. My guest today is founder, serial entrepreneur, author and community builder E.A. Solkowitz. He became a millionaire at the tender age of 23. He owned and established a thousand acre wildlife sanctuary, became a commercial pilot, has a second degree belt in martial arts and has authored and completed the updated versions of his courses and books. He titled The Giver's Mindset, The Giver's Lifestyle and The Giver's Lifelong Learning for the Give to Be Great series. And I'm really looking forward to hearing some exciting stories and great tips from this jack of all trades. So welcome EA and thank you so much for taking the time to be on my show today. Thank you so much for having me. And I was listening to you say those kind words and I thought, well, even though that's a long list, it's still not as long as my last name. So I better get to work, <laughs> you know, enough of this part-time stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how, how many different things you have done. So <clears throat> when I was 23, for instance, I worked a bunch of student jobs while I was studying biology and I was very far from becoming a millionaire. So how did you become a millionaire at such a young age? I appreciate that, and uh, it, it, it's it's sort of a, a couple of events that happened in a row, and I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be able to share with your listeners because there's, I think, profound messages inside of them. You know, I, I was raised in Chicago, Illinois. I live in Michigan now, but and and my father was a milkman, right? And very humble upbringing. Had his own, you know, one man operation, and got up at five in the morning and delivered milk to people's homes and put it in the milk box outside their house. So, at five years old, I would help my father on his route and. You know, and so nothing unusual about my background. It, you know, it was very, you know, just like middle class and one notch under kind of, I guess. And uh, then at the ripe old age of 16, I took my first step towards becoming successful and I became a janitor. Ooh. Now, I, I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. What? Anyway, so here, so at 16 years old, I was able to be bonded, which uh, means insured. So that means that if my buffer hit some piece of equipment, the insurance company would pay for it. It also allowed me to be in very expensive homes and very expensive places. And there was a lady whose home I cleaned every single Wednesday. I was there every Wednesday. And when I say the name, it won't mean anything to your listeners until I make the movie reference, then they'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, her name was June Martino. And again, I, I was born and raised you know, in the Chicagoland area and lived in an area called Oak Brook, uh, the greater Oak Brook area. There was a movie out a few years back called The Founder. Uh, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc, uh, and it's about the McDonald's story, right? Uh, and and actually, it's a pretty good view. It was out a few years back, and it's on streaming, and it probably will be for some times because it is a good view. And I want to share with your listeners, at the beginning of the movie, it says it's based on a true story. That's true. It's based on a true story. But it's not the true story. 
it's based on it, right? So, uh, and there's a big difference, uh, and because I witnessed the whole story in my literally during my lifetime, and and lived in Oakbrook, where the world headquarters for McDonald's was. So I, so in the movie, Michael Keaton is constantly talking to a lady. Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. And by the way, there's a lot of Hollywood spin. Ray Kroc was not the way he was portrayed in the movie. That's all Hollywood drama to get people to watch it and be pulled in, right? Uh, he really wasn't the way he's portrayed. And and he's talking to a lady outside his office all the time. He says, June this, June this, June this. She's in the whole movie. That lady is the lady whose house I cleaned every Wednesday. How now, when I met her, June Martino, she had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's. Uh, she was actually, interestingly enough, the first woman to trade on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange ever. Uh, she was quite an amazing lady. And she shared with me, Claudia, the impact that Ray had on her life as, and, and I can use the term now, mentor. I didn't know what it was back then. You know, I'm you know, son of a milkman, burnt out janitor. And I think my fun time at my age is to, at 16 is to get free songs on a jukebox in a bowling alley when I'm cleaning the bowling alley at six, you know, two in the morning. So, yeah, that's my fun time. And uh, so June told me the whole story. She actually one day took me in the kitchen. I asked her about it. She brought me in the kitchen and the entire day told this not no 16-year-old the entire story of when she met Ray Kroc, um, worked for him when he was a milkshake mixer salesman, all the way to when he met the McDonald's brothers, virtually to the point we're in the room. I mean, the two of her and I sitting there. And she shared with me the importance that Ray had on her life. And I thought, man, at the end of the conversation, I remember thinking, if I could just find a Ray Kroc, that's what I need. I need someone to teach me. I, I don't even, I know I don't know it, but I don't even know what I don't know, you know, <laughs> yeah. let alone, all I know is I don't know it, you know, whatever it is, right? And if I could just find my Ray Kroc, it certainly didn't work out too bad for her. I'm in, back then at 16 years old, I'm cleaning this million dollar home, full-time maid, full-time butler, you know, she's got a Rolls Royce in the garage. Loved cleaning the Rolls, the garage, by the way, because in order to do it, I had to clean, pull out the Rolls Royce. Right? So I'm 16 years old. I'm in, I'm in a car that's 10 lifetime of my income, right? And uh, so I pulled out that Rolls Royce. And then at night, I would go home and drive my Rolls Canardly, which basically is it rolls down one hill and can hardly make it up the next. Hence the Rolls Canardly. So I thought this is really, and I thought, wow, this is really amazing. People really live like this. And she's happy. She's not rude. She's very approachable. So I thought, where would I find my Ray Kroc? Where would I find him? You know, someone that can put me under their wing and teach me all the things I know. I just know I don't know them. Wasn't about two months later, we got a phone call at the same janitorial service where I was working. And a man was in from Detroit. He was opening a diamond store. My boss sent me over uh, to do an estimate on some carpeting. And the guy offered me a job. And that same man became the father I never had, even though I had a father. And I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. <laughs> and he was the man that guided me through so many different parts of my life. Uh, and, and, a, and he was, Claudia, he was a, puritanic, a puritanical genius. I mean, you know, I, people throw on, oh, they're genius, they're genius. And, and, and I don't believe in the IQ baloney, you know? And the reason why I don't believe in it is I've met too many educated idiots in my life, <laughs> you know? They, they have all this book information, they can spew it back at you, zero execution skills, zero implementation skills, they just know what they've memorized from reading a book. And mm -hmm. so, and, and my mentor was a puritanical genius and, and a, a person who's a real mentor, 
and, and this is the kind that people should look for, your listeners should look for, and that is a person who has done it themselves. Mm -hmm. Because when you've done it, that means you bring with you all the things that didn't work that you learned from. True. And you can share those things where the educated idiot doesn't have those references. They just know what they have in a book, you know. Uh, it's always astonished me in the United States, it's easier to get a, a loan to go to college than it is to start your own business. And, uh, you know, it just, it just backwards. It's just backwards, right? Uh, so my mentor shared with me many, many really insightful things, and I hope to share a few of those with your listeners to help them on their road. Uh, because, you know, it, and the one is really uh, it, probably the most extraordinary story, I, I think even to date, I've heard that's happened in someone's life that I knew personally. My mentor shared with me what it was like to grow up during the Great Depression in the United States. And he said, you know, people didn't have any money. He said they lost their fortunes. People were jumping off of buildings, committing suicide. He said multi-mile long soup kitchen lines just to get a bowl of soup, multi-mile long. He said there was no money and people were looking for food. And uh, he said for some of our meals, we actually ate cardboard. Ooh. So, you know, so, and, and then he, and he began to share with me, he said, and, and I was walking around every day, he said, because no one was hiring, couldn't even get a job, and he was young. And uh, he went by a store and saw there was a man in the back all by himself. So he just went in, just to sort of burn the clock kind of thing and have a conversation. And it turns out the man was the owner of the store. It was a sewing machine store. It was filled with sewing machines collecting dust, no customers, just this one guy in the back. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm the owner. And obviously no one's buying sewing machines. They're trying to get food right now. He said, I bought all these sewing machines. They're all paid for just collecting dust. He said, I even had to let all my employees go. He said, I couldn't afford to pay anyone. And my owner, my owner, my business mentor had this flash in his mind. And he said, could I help you sell some of these sewing machines? And the guy said, what do you have in mind? And he said, well, this is what I'm thinking. He said, how about if, he said, people can't afford to buy a sewing machine. How about if we sold them on payments? And I'll back the sewing machine. So if someone ever walks with one, you'll never be out. I'll back it. So you'll, you're protected. And he said, and then we'll split the payments. And the guy said, man, go for it. Do it. You know, they're just collecting dust. I don't have anyone walking in the door. The next thing he did was incredible. He put together a flyer for women to work from home. Mm -hmm. And he told me he actually never even caught up with all the responses. There were so many. He said, because everyone needed money, no one was hiring, and, and the fact that they were hiring anything, you know. So he was swamped, literally, and he built this huge network, multi-states. He said the thing literally exploded on its own. And he put together a plan where they could buy the sewing machines on payments. He would give them the patterns to sew with. Mm -hmm. He would give them the materials to make the clothing. And he guaranteed he would buy the clothing from them thus guaranteeing their income so they could pay for the sewing machine and make the payments and also have an income. And, uh, and, and then from that, he bought this clothing from this huge network he formed of women, a community of women working from home. And then from that, he uh, bought this clothing and sold it to stores as mm -hmm. handmade, high quality, very deep discounted price clothing. And the clothing stores then were able to sell to their customers at very deep discounts, but handmade high quality that would last a long time. In 18 months, when people are jumping off of buildings, multi-mile long soup kitchen lines, 
my mentor earned $1 million. <laughs> wow. What so, a great story. I say to your listeners, what's your excuse? Because that's all it is, and I'm not buying. Mm. You could try to sell me that excuse all day long. I'm not buying it. You're not going to close the sale because my mentor shared with me. He said, you're going to get tackled a thousand times in your lifetime. This is him telling me. And he said, but here's the thing that people aren't able to distinguish. He said, I promise you, all the times you get tackled, you'll never have money problems. And I looked at him a little perplexed, and he said, you'll never have money problems. I said, okay. He said, you will have idea challenges, but mm. not money problems. He said, every business, every solution, every business, no matter how big it is, all at one point started with an idea in one person's mind. And he said, and if you think you have money problems, you're looking at it wrong. So I share with your listeners, if you think you have money problems now, you're not looking at it right. You're not looking at the solutions. You're looking at the problem. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, so think, he said, think of the ideas. So what he actually did in that story, which was so amazing, Claudia, is he solved everyone's problem. He solved the problem for the owner of the yeah. sewing machine store, solved the problem for the women who needed to earn income for their families and to have food, right? Solved the problem for the store owners that, buy, that makes clothing available to customers and solved the problem for the customers with deep, deep discounted clothing. And by solving all of those problems, it had a huge impact on him. So at 19 years old, I asked this man, Sam Robbins, I said, Sam, will you teach it all to me? All of it. Don't hold back. Teach it all. He said, okay, I will. But I want one thing from you. He said, when the time is right, and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many people as you possibly can everything I taught you. So at 19 years old, Claudia, I made a vow. I made an oath to my mentor that I would do just that. And today that's manifest as what we know as Givers University. And so for this reason, and that and many, many other reasons, I became a huge advocate for mentoring. Uh, if any of your listeners, they have a business and they want to expand their business and it's not expanding and they're at five figures and they want to get to six figures and they're at six and they're at seven. If they don't have a mentor right now, in my world, we call that naive. That's what we call it. Get a mentor, people who have done it. You want to get the seven figures, find someone who's made it to seven figures and ask them how they did it. Yeah. And, and, you'll, and you'll be amazed at how they will find out. You know, I think June Martino with the whole McDonald's thing, I think she shared with me the whole story of that one day because she knew when I asked, she could sense, I wasn't interested in getting next to June Martino, this icon. I really wanted to know what happened with McDonald. How did it all take place? What took place? And she, I, they, she sensed that, and mentors will as well. So I'm a huge advocate for, you know, having someone in your life that can guide you that has done it, not an educated idiot, and <laughs> uh, and be and be able to ask them the questions and learn from their mistakes, so that you can make your own mistakes, as my mentor said to me. You know, he said you're gonna get tackled a thousand times. He said, but. He said, when you have someone with you that can guide you and say, I know how that is because here's what happened to me, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, I know how that is, but they, they really don't because they're not able to relate to it, right? Uh, so I share with your listeners, and, and, and as a sort of a finish on that point, uh, when I had my radio show, I was blessed to, I interviewed over 1,000, over 1,000 millionaires in two years. And that was very, very enlightening. 
Mm. And there was commonalities because I wanted to find out, you know, these people that were five figures, how'd they get to six figures? And the ones at six, how'd they get to seven? And so I, I was able to ask the questions off air, which I was really interested in while I was interviewing them, you know. Uh, and j just like you and I chatted before we started here with our interview, I had a list of questions that I asked them had nothing to do with the interview. I just thought, how'd you do this? And how'd you do that? How'd you do Because I was looking for the commonalities. You know, what were, yeah. why these people? Why is it, even in the United States today, if you add everyone's lifetime income together, year plus year, year plus year, it still doesn't equal a million dollars. So what did these people do that was so different that they became millionaires that the others didn't? Yeah, that that's, the masses don't. That's so interesting, right? I mean, I talk to multi-millionaires so often on my show, and I try to do the same thing that you just described. Just ask them all the questions. I like to ask the questions on air, but there are obviously some questions I also like to ask off air afterwards. And it's so interesting, as you said, there are certain um, things that are very similar, maybe. And one of the thing is is related to money mindset. So something interested interesting that you said when you told your story was that you grew up as the son of a milkman. So I assume that your family wasn't rich, right? Correct. So what were some of the the common beliefs around money that you grew up with? How did your family talk about money? Well, we didn't have a lot of conversations about money. It was more about the things we needed to do. And that mm -hmm. equated into income later on in my life. As an example, when I was on with my father at five years old, you know, and I'm pretty sure they switched from gallon jugs, you know, gallons uh, that were glass uh, to plastic because of how many ones I broke. But anyway, they, you know, just trying to help my father helping him, but, you know, coming back to the truck with white shoes from milk all, you know, and two empty handles and no more glass in my hand, right? Uh, and he always said something very interesting. While we were in here, I'm five years old. And I watched my father get up at three in the morning and he wasn't doing it because he had a, you know, someone was looking over his shoulder. He didn't use an alarm clock. He was up at the same time every day. Um, and he just did what needed to be done. And when we were on the route, he always said, well, when we're done, we're done. And his point he was making to me was, you know, even at five years old, if we get done all the things we need to get done first, then we can go on to other things that we may, that may be not a priority that would be fun for us. And he was driving that message home and I still remember it, you know, I literally six decades later, I still remember him saying those words to me that when we're done, we're done. And so I think it was, it wasn't so much the conversations of the money because there were, there were very few and far in between. Um, it was more about what we needed to do and what we needed to get accomplished and to get on with it. And mm -hmm. don't do it because we got someone over our shoulder saying, you got to show up and you have to do this. Do it because it's the right thing to do. And it's the thing you've committed to do. Uh, and, and so I, I think some of those habits, mm. I witnessed them and I sort of got them by osmosis just by, you know, that was, the, we lived that way and that was the way we did. You know, I, I thought the whole world got up at five and, you know, three or four or five in the morning. I thought that was, you know, everyone did that because my dad did it. So everyone else must too, you know, and, and here I am helping them or at least attempting to at best. So, uh, so but to get into the money issue, there was two things about money specifically I could share with your listeners. Uh, one aspect was um, when, uh, in my uh, early 20s, I was able to, I did some charity work with Easter Seals. And uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, read the book called Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Uh, and all right, and uh, one of his funders, one of the people that 
underwrote all of Napoleon's work was a gentleman by the name of W. Clement Stone, who owned Combined Insurance. I used to travel with W. Clement, right? So one day, and he's a billionaire at this point, right? And literally, I was sitting next to him, and I thought, man, this guy, if there's anyone in the world that knows about money, he's a man because he's a billionaire. And that's with the B already back then, right? And so I asked him, I said, Clem, which is what he preferred to be called, I said, uh, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. You know, I mean, just again, always so approachable, you know, so easy to talk to. I said, what is money? And I'll never forget, he turned and looked right at me. It was like instantly, he didn't hesitate. He said, money is power to do good. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I thought, what a great, and I, here's a billionaire who in his final years, you know what he did in his final years? His goal was to help teach countries how to become self-sufficient <laughs> that's amazing but most people are trying to figure out how to pay their phone bill right <laughs> exactly. i mean just you know and, and so it shows you the different thought process and and uh and and as it relates to money specifically i can share with you an, uh, one uh, ask one final aspect on that that my mentor shared with me and he said uh when i was 19 he said let me share with you this thing on how it works and it's called life I said, okay, this is going to be interesting. I got to hear this one, right? And he said, picture in your mind this scale. And on the right side of the scale is all the things you're going to get, all the income, the benefits, all the blessings in your life, all the things you're going to receive in your life are going to come from that side, right side of the scale. He said, the left side of the scale is going to be all the things you're going to give and contribute, all the investments, all the help, all helping other people, encouraging, all those things you're going to give. Here's the amazing thing about this scale. It's never, and I mean never, out of balance. He said, even at a static moment, it seems like it's out of balance. It's not. It writes itself always, and it's always in balance. He said, now here's the hard part. He said, the next thing I say will be the hardest part of this, but once you get it down, and once you get your head around it, he said, you will be virtually unstoppable. And I said, okay, I got to hear this. He said, forget about the right side. <laughs> All the things you're going to get. Forget about it. And he said, make it your daily goal. Make it your objective every day to heave so much on the left side of that scale. And your new goal is to try to get it out of balance every day because you've put so much on that left side that that part goes down because there's so much on it. And he said, and when you do that, you'll never have to worry about and you'll yeah. never have to think about what comes to you on that right side of the scale. That's a great attitude to have and a great story. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, what did your family think when you when you suddenly started to make a lot of money? Were they happy for you straight away or were they kind of suspicious of your success at first? In other words, did your new wealth create problems in your relationships with your friends and family? Well, um, the answer to the question is, and it sounds like I have political aspirations and I do not, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> I do, I'm not into politics, right? But, but that sounds like a political answer always, right? Well, yes and no. I, uh, I can share with you, first of all, and, and the first things I say are, I didn't make up any of this. I only had one superpower, Claudia, and it was real simple. I had the ability to say, you know, I don't know about that. Could you teach me about that? I'd like to learn about that. 
that was it. Or today, everyone wants to be the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. My mentor said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> Get out of that room. Get, you know, you're not going to learn anything there. But everyone today wants to be preeminent. It's all about ego and I'm smarter than everyone else. Wrong. It's backwards. It's upside down. And then they're surprised when they go through life asking for what they do not want. And then they're surprised when they get it. So the things I'm gonna share with you that happened in my life were because I did that. I listened to my mentor. You know, at 23, yes, I was blessed to be a millionaire. At 33 years old was the first year, 1989. It was the first year I earned a million dollars in salary. After I paid my taxes, that's not business income, that's personal income. After I paid personal taxes, I had a million dollars left in my pocket. So, and at 33 years old, that's a young age to be doing that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and I share with you that, that it was, I'm still the son of a milkman. Burnt out yeah. janitor thinks it's fun, you know, getting free songs on a jukebox, right? And, but what I did was I listened to someone smarter. And as I went through those things, my family saw and came with me. They were on that journey. Um, my friends totally changed. I had all brand new friends, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and but the family they saw, you know, they saw the scars, they saw the, you know, the the times you get tackled, the things you learn, and um, so I would say family did not change, um, and if anything, became more close knit in many ways, uh, some ways not, but in many ways, uh, and but then as far as friends, you know, I had very little in common. Uh, if they really didn't want to become successful. And that was one of the reasons why I'm even doing these interviews now to teach people about the importance of the relationships they have. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, you know we, we have businesses opening and closing faster than ever before. We have products being antiquated overnight by brand new products. Well, mm. when all it's left, when it's all done, what do you have left? Our relationships, right? And... And here's what we teach at Givers University, because again, this is to your money question, and that is, and, and it's for those that have a six-figure business and you know, want to get to seven figures or a seven and want to get to eight. I can share with you, right now, if they think about the times they stomp out fires every day, mm -hmm. if they think about the times when their stress level goes up during the day, there's a name attached to those. And here's what no one's teaching today that Givers University is the only one I've seen actually teaching it. In one word, discernment. We teach how to discern. I say to your listeners, we love everybody. I say it again, we love everybody. But we teach people a skill that's not being taught and that is how to separate the person we love from their deeds which we may not love. Mm -hmm. And to observe their deeds, don't watch, I mean, don't listen, you know, don't listen to the words, but watch what they're doing very granularly. Even we even teach checklists. These are the, these are the deeds. These are the do's, the things you watch them doing. And when you see them doing certain things, it's an observation skill, an awareness skill. When you see them doing certain things, you may now want to discern and bring them closer into your life and build your giver community around you. Or by contrast, if you see them doing other certain deeds, you may want to begin respectfully, not rude or nasty, respectfully begin to distance yourself. Because if you bring them closer, they're going to make you collateral damage. And you're going to be stomping out fires not of your making. Your productivity goes out the window because your stress level is going up. And because no one's teaching, what about the other guy? You know. In other words, 
I can I know you're a self-improvement person. I know that, right? I'm a self-improvement geek. I'm sure many of your listeners are. But Claudia, no one's saying, what about the other guy? What if he's not doing it right? What should I do about that? And no one's teaching us to discern and say, these people aren't going to do you any good. And if you want to get the six figures and from from five figures, you need to get the right people around you because you're not going to do it by yourself. And you need to have the right people, not the wrong. If you have the wrong people around you, guess what? You're staying at five figures. And the mm -hmm. same with six, going from six to seven and all the way up. You see these people that form these groups around them, as we call them giver communities. And we even teach people, how do you do that, right? Step by step. So that's very, very important from getting to the next level. When you want to get to the next level of income, you need to have those people around you that have done it. Yeah. How are you going to ask someone who's never done it? And say, I'm going to show you how to make a million dollars. Okay, uh, what year did you earn a million dollars? Then I would walk, right? Just that right. simple. Because if they know how to, wouldn't they have done it part-time? <laughs> I mean, you know, if they knew how to do it, you know. So it, it's not asking that next question that causes people to trip up and say, well, what have you done so far? Show me, you know, what, what were your results? Expl share that with me, right? Because you know when they can tell you that answer, they brought with them all the expertise and the cume and the wisdom, not the, the education. I'm after the wisdom. The wisdom is knowing what to do and when to do it. Mm -hmm. The education, you can just get in a book. Right? I want the person that's wise, that has that moxie, that can go out there and really make and knows knows how to teach people because they have done it. So that's why I'm advocate for mentoring. That's why when it comes to money, my mentor shared with me that what I call the giver's scale of life. If you want, to, no matter what amount of money you want, you just need to be able to contribute that amount or greater on the other side of the scale. So easy. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, now, I, I guess you could say, uh, let, let's say it's simple, but maybe not easy. Yeah. And, there was, and there's a difference there, right? I, I mean, it's a simple explanation and clarity. But the, the ease of it, you know, and my mentor said for me, he said, it's going to be hard for you. He said, you got to get your head around this because everyone, you know, we're all, everyone's wired what's in it for me. And mm -hmm. I was at this one event one time and this one lady says, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't like to give away all my stuff. I'm afraid they're going to steal it. And I said, oh, you're not going to like what comes out of my mouth next, but I'm going to say it anyway because that's the way I'm wired. And at this point, you know, at 65, it really doesn't matter to me what people think about me. You know, I, I, I'm pretty much going to say it the way it is and, 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 and from my experience. And I said, I said, ma'am, you're not going to like what I say next. If you're worried about people stealing all your stuff, you don't have enough stuff. <laughs> it's just that simple. She never talked to me again after that. But anyway, so that you know, that's, uh, that kind of stuff happens. And uh, yeah. uh, but but I, but I hope it prodded you know and provoked some thought that Absolutely. you know if you're if you're worried that you know you got to keep it all tight and I can't. You know, the opposite is true. It's amazing the people that will reach out, the people that have reached out to me after I've been on their for an interview on their podcast and other listeners who said, "Man, I just heard this interview and man, this is really great," and uh, and and. Just putting it out there and getting that scale out of balance as much as we possibly can. And so if I can, I'd like to share because I, I really want to give something quantifiable to your listeners that, you know, they can listen to this interview a couple of times, take notes um, and something that can really help them that they can implement right away. Would that be OK if I just hit something real quick? Sure. Go for All it. Right. Um, we, there's a word out today that, uh, you know, I think has gotten has changed definitions and the words community. You know, and I ask your listeners, 
Have you been asked to join a community? Come in, join us. We're the like mind. We all think the same. You join, and five hours later, they're selling you everything under the sun, right? All right. That's not a community. That's a customer prospect list. You know, why are you exactly. calling it? You're doing a bait and switch on me. Why not call it what it is? Say it's a customer list. And if I like your products, I may stay on and learn more. But don't say it's a community and then bait and switch me into something else. So I've begun to identify those, Claudia, as taker communities. Mm. And there's a big difference between a taker community and a giver community. And uh, we teach people the distinction and we give examples of those. And we use the term Junto, J-U-N-T-O. Junto, uh, by definition, is a group of people that have gotten together for a common purpose or common interest, right? Uh, and in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about the mastermind. Mm -hmm. he, does an, he does a masterful job explaining it. And when Napoleon was explaining all that at that time, it was a novel concept to people. So he had to explain the concept, but he never really goes into how do you do it? He always said, this is what it is and this is how it works, right? Well, we took that other tact in within Givers University and we teach people step by step, how do you do it? I've always wondered, you know, why, why do those three, four, five, six, ten people get together, they form a mastermind group, and two or three months later, the, it just sort of dissipates. It just sort of, you know, wander, everyone wanders off. Why? And that always sort of fascinated me. I said, they came together for a good reason. Why did this dissipate? So we began to look at that as a curiosity and then came up with solutions on what to do that. So I'm going to hit the acronym with your listeners. They should listen to this and I'm going to share them where they can get more info. It's all free. We want to do it because our goal is to get that scale out of balance every day, right? So the word is discern, D-I-S-C-E-R-N. It's a seven letter. We use it as acronym. And each one of the letters has a meaning in the seven steps in forming your own giver's junto, a.k.a. Givers community, right? So D stands for decide, right? You got to decide who you're going to have in, right? You can have, there's different kinds of uh, giver communities. Some are very large. It can be worldwide. Some are much more close knit, two to 12 people uh, and have specific reasons and purposes, right? Um, so the first thing is the D is for decide. How do you decide? Right? It's like a, a a few interviews back, this guy says, man, I really love this stuff, this giver stuff and takers. And all. He said, I just read a book and says I have to have five good people around me. I said, you're <laughs> right, you should. One question, which five? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he's staring at me with this blank look. And I said, do you see my point? No one's teaching which five. There's a, he's saying do the five, but how, right? So we actually have a checklist of the 25 do's. You can actually, we want, we give it away for free. We want people to print it off, put it in their pocket, Look down the left side of the 25 things givers do. Look on the right side for the 25 things takers do. Put a check mark when you observe them doing things. At the bottom total it, you're already on your path, right? I say to your listeners, when we say giver, we're not labeling a people, a person because we don't do that, right? We're labeling deeds, giver deeds when we say giver. When we say taker, we're not labeling a person. You're a taker, you know, not like invasion of the body snatchers. <sighs> you know, we don't do that. We, you know, we're not, so we're, we're, when we say taker, we're identifying taker deeds, we're identifying the deeds, not the person, right? So we teach people, what do you look for? And the D, this, 20, this checklist helps you decide who should you have closer in your life, whether that's business, social, or family. It works across the board, right? I is for invite. How do you invite these people? The uh, S is for seed. 
How do you seed them with expectational agreements? The, before I can invite you into our Givers Junto, there are certain things we all agree to hold each other accountable for. And these are them. So before we can accept you in, you've got to agree to what are called upfront expectational agreements, right? Mm -hmm. That we all hold ourselves accountable to. So that's S for seed. C is convene. Convene, get together on a regular basis. Every week, every couple of weeks, once a month, once a quarter, whenever. Regular times of convening. E, establish. Give it a name. Ben Franklin called his Junto the Leather Apron Club. Henry Ford called his Junto the Four Vagabonds. Give it a name. E is for establish. Give it a, uh, breathe life into it by giving it a name that adds to the camaraderie of the group that are together. R, rotate. Every meeting should be a different person chairing that meeting. Everyone, everyone's the same, and we've, we help them even put together the agenda. And as for numbers, be a part of multiple groups so that you can give, not that you can get more out of the group so that you can contribute more to other groups because that giver's life scale works 100% of the time. I can truly say four decades plus in business and owning my own companies, that scale works exact. It is factual, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I would challenge anyone that says anything else or says it's too utopian because it's not. I lived it, right? Yeah. So... So those letters again, decide, invite, seed, convene, establish, rotate, and numbers. That spells discern. Those are the steps of forming your own giver community and giver junto. Thank you so much for sharing. And I totally agree with what you said about the scales and, and how it all works. Because they often say that money doesn't really change you as a person, it rather amplifies what's already there. And I tend to agree with that. So if someone wants to do harm, money allows him to do a lot more harm. But if someone wants to do good, money allows him to do more good things, right? And I read a quote the other day, and it went something like, whoever thinks money doesn't buy happiness hasn't given enough away. And I think that's very profound because the happiness that money can buy doesn't come from surrounding yourself with more and more stuff. It comes from the freedom and ability to do good and to support, to support others. So do you have a favorite quote or motto you live by? Well, whew. I've got, I, I don't have a, I don't have a favorite quote or motto, but I do have something I can share with your listeners that 40 years ago, my mentor talked me into saying every day and it's three small phrases. So I guess this would qualify uh, to your point. Uh, and these three small phrases, he said, you're going to get tackled a thousand times in your lifetime. It's going to happen. He said, first of all, get rid of the word failure. Don't say it. It's too eternal. Every time people say the word failure, he said, you should be supplanting that in your mind with temporary defeat. Mm -hmm. He said, failure, you're throwing yourself out of the game. He said, when you have temporary defeat, you got tackled, you stand up, and now you realize you got a first down. You're still, don't throw yourself out of the game. You're still in the game. And he said, use these three phrases and say them to yourself over and over again throughout the entire day and through thick and thin. And when fortunes come in your life and leave your life, because they're going to do both, it's going to happen. He said, Say these three phrases and watch how they work. And so I have done that for over four decades. And I can say again, factually, as a personal testimony, these things work. And these three phrases that I can share with you are, I will never give up. I will keep rising up. And I will always overcome. Great. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, thinking back 
about all the things that you have achieved so far. What do you consider your biggest achievement so far and why? Fulfilling my vow and oath on a daily basis to my mentor. Uh, you know, I feel every day he's looking over my shoulder saying, are you still doing it? Yeah. You know, you promised, you know. And, uh, and, and so because of that, uh, there's no question that that is, uh, you know, that something that gives me joy to be able to do on a regular basis. Um, and, 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 and if I can, I'd like to share with the listeners real quick on, you know, I, I've mentioned a number of things and tools they can get. We want them to get it, right? Uh, all I have to do is just go to our website, giversuniversity.com. It's plural. And they'll see a place to sign up for our newsletter. We don't spam. So as soon as they sign up, they're going to immediately get an email that says, do you want to talk to these people? If, you do, if they don't respond to that, they will get nothing else from us because we don't spam. They have to say, yes, I want to talk to these people. Two hours later, then, they're going to get that first checklist of the 25 do's. And, that, uh, and, and we print it off. It's free. Use it in discerning any and all relations around you. And watch how your perspective on things begin to change mm. because we're not putting as much emphasis on listening to what they're saying because anyone can learn the right thing to say. And as we say, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Mm. Your deeds speak louder than your words, right? Exactly right. So here's a, birth, a beautiful checklist of 25 do's. We want them to have it. Then every single Thursday, because we don't spam people. Yeah, I hate that. You sign up for something, then you're getting six emails a day from them and they're blowing up your inbox, right? Now you go unsubscribe, 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 right? And uh, once a week, Thursday morning, we send out an email. It's not even a five-minute read. Usually has a two-minute video clip in there. And it's called the Giver's Toolbox. Every week on Thursday morning, we give a brand new tool that they can put in the relationship toolbox to help with their discerning of their relationships. Um, and then from that, they learn about our courses. They learn about who we are. We learn about, they can also learn about Juntos, how to form their own community and how what distinguishes that. Um, and and we're provided, we provide all this. There's no cost to any of it because if anything, it's a blessing for us to have this and to be able to give it to as many people as we possibly can. Uh, and we've helped a number of people form their own Juntos uh, and with great results because they see the impact of having the right people around them and they realize they never really thought about in highly quantifiable, mm -hmm. detailed firm, you know, a, a format, I should say, who do I have around me? Yeah. And how that impacts us. I will definitely make sure to put all the links in the show notes so it's easy for awesome. listeners to, to find you. Now that we know what you consider your biggest achievement so far, what would you like to achieve in the near future? So where do you want to take your business and what personal goals would you like to achieve within the next, say, one to two years? Um, can I take that to 15 years? Yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, because we actually have a 30-year plan. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, and uh, and that's the thing, you know, with planning and goals, et cetera. And, you know, I mean, it, I mean, it's great to have, you know, we should have a daily objective and we should have weekly and monthly. We need all of those things. Uh, and, and we actually have a 30-year plan. And in 15 years, we will have over one, with a B, one billion givers that know who Givers University is. Wow. And, uh, and, and we have a plan to do that step by step all the way through and over 15 years, right? And, and those are things that are, are going to have huge impacts on people. And so all the interviews I have now, these are all, these are foundational. These are nothing, we're in the hole, you know? But if you want to, if you want to build a skyscraper, 
you've got to be just as willing to go down just as deep if you mm -hmm. want to go up that high. And you have to stay in that hole as long as as long as you need to to get that deep, right? It's like you look at a tree and you see all the branches and most people don't realize you're actually looking at the root system upside down. The roots are usually just the same size as the, as the top is, right? And, and so we need to do the same thing, and we're doing that with Givers University. So um, we have some very exciting things we are doing in the next year and the two years. Um, but our focus is, and every decision that is made in Givers University is, how will this decision get us closer to our 1 billion givers in the next 15 years? I love that. So is there any final advice that you would like to share with our listeners today? For sure, get a mentor and then learn those three phrases. I will never give up, I will keep rising up, and I will always overcome and say them every day because we need that. Our lives are self-fulfilling prophecies. My mentor said, everyone wants to get the answer. Wrong. He said, forget about the answer. The answers are omnipresent. They're all around us. Focus on asking the right question and you'll always get the right answer. And he said, and he, and he told me, he said, you know, inadvertently, you don't even realize you asked the right question about us. He's talking about him and I. He said, when you threw it out there and you said, where's my right crack? Where would I find my right crack? He said, you actually threw out the right question inadvertently. And all of a sudden, here we are. Right. And I said, and, and, I, and I became a firm believer and I don't believe in chance or luck. I do not believe in it. Uh, and uh, I've, I've witnessed too many events in my life to be able to share that our lives are self-fulfilling prophecy. And when we when we begin to ask the right questions in our life, the right answers are all around us anyway. They always were there. And then those answers are there. And those are the ones we build on with the next step. And relabel failure as temporary defeat and use that as a stepping stone that you walk up. Because when we find those seeds, because every adversity carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. When we find those seeds in adversity, we will find out that those were the seeds we needed to go up the next step. And without the adversity, those seeds would have never been there. I agree. And now we begin to view adversity way different. So true. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and You're your welcome. wisdom with us today. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners will too. So take care and talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Wired for Success podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a sec to rate and review my show or share it with a friend. That way you can support the show and help me reach and support other entrepreneurs like yourself as well. If you would like my help to figure out how you can go from overwhelmed and overworked hustler to empowered and confident leader, check out my website at www wiredforsuccess.solutions and book a free 20-minute strategy session with me. Can't wait to help you get wired for success. Until next time, take care. Bye.